Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. I am your host, as always, Carrie Parker, and this is episode 209, which is March 1st, 2021. Man, I cannot believe it's March already. Today, we're going to have part two of our interview with the Tech Learning Collective. And yes, if you've been paying attention, I have not mentioned the guest's name. And yes, that's on purpose. I meant to call that out actually last week. And I don't make a big deal out of it, but basically that's just kind of the way these guys roll. I, I don't know the name of the person that I interviewed. They, you know, identity to them is important and or maybe I should say privacy to them is important and names are not. So anyway, I wanted to call that out specifically because I, I, I'm guessing that you noticed that I didn't use the name. Now today we're going to keep talking about, we kind of set up last week at the, the, the little cliffhanger, the tease that I left you on last week was to talk about their curriculum and we're going to go through and they're going to give us kind of a high level view of the kind of classes they teach and, but not just, you know, what they are, but you know, why they teach and how they teach. It's, it's really, it's very different. It's, it's different than anything you've probably ever seen run across before looking at technical training. Even when you're looking at things like Coursera or LinkedIn learning or Udemy or some of those online courses, this is, this is a different take. And you know, today we're going to talk about, we're going to bring up some, you know, thorny issues like the the notion of ethical hacking and when that, when ethical hacking can even become immoral, things done in the name of ethical hacking are, are not always good. And it's, again, just an interesting perspective on this, on this sort of stuff. We'll talk about why this really is about self-defense and like any good self-defense course, you need to know how to attack in order to learn how to defend. And that's one of the things that they make sure that, you know, uh, you know, by the time you come out of these courses, you're going to know how to perform some of these, you know, basic hacking attacks and computer attacks so that you know how to defend against them and why you have to defend against them. And we're going to talk about how computer knowledge and lack of computer knowledge can create a huge power imbalance between, you know, regular people and maybe authorities or people who wish to do harm and how these classes can help to balance those scales. I know that sounds maybe a little dramatic, but it's true. And, and so anyway, we're going to get into all that stuff today. So uh, if you haven't listened to part one, definitely go back and check that out first. Uh, in just a minute, we'll get to part two. Now, I want to talk really quickly about one particular news story. We're going to have a huge, huge podcast next week because there's so many things to catch up on. None of them are, are super urgent, except maybe this one or it might seem urgent. So I wanted to talk about it. And that is this new Mac malware that uh, has been going around in the news. It's called Silver Sparrow. I, I don't know where they get these names. Actually, I think Red Canary was the name of the company that found it. So I guess they get to name it. And of course, if, you're, if the name of your company is Red Canary, you're probably going to pick some sort of a bird name for these things. So anyway, uh, it's very interesting. I can't remember if we talked about it last week, but I'll just go over it quickly now. It's, it's a Mac malware and they found it on roughly 30,000 Macs. And the funny thing is on all these stories that, you know, what I've seen on video, these stories, are, oh my gosh, 30,000 Macs. And I'm like, okay, well, there's a hundred million or more. I don't know how many, there's a lot of Macs out there. So it's actually quite a small percentage. It was interesting in the fact that it, I think they found it in 153 different countries. So it is widespread though. I think it, uh, it is focused on the U S or the preponderance of, uh, of infected Macs are in the US. But nevertheless, here's the weird part. It doesn't do anything. Basically, it's kind of a shim or a, a, a kind of getting your foot in the door or a beachhead. It's it's there. It's a framework uh, that, you know, could have done something bad, but hasn't, hasn't done anything. It's obvious that it's meant to be there to eventually download what we call, what we would call a payload. 
you know, some sort of other malware that would eventually do something. So it's kind of a, a framework for getting up to bad things, but it hasn't done anything yet. So luckily we caught it before it did. And Apple has already taken steps to mitigate, if not prevent this from, certainly prevent it from being installed again. And it has taken other mitigations. Point of, point of the matter is, we'll talk about it a little bit more next week. But the point of the matter is, don't worry about it. Uh, it's it's fine. It hasn't been shown to do anything yet. And, we, and it's already basically been hobbled. It got a lot of attention in the press. And again, I oftentimes the press overhypes these things. And I think this is one of those cases. So far, at least, this hasn't hasn't actually done anything. And it was stopped actually relatively quickly. So uh, that's, that's good. Okay, I've got a lot of other stuff to talk to you about. I'm finally ready to make some very specific Patreon announcements. You're going to really want to hear about that. I've got some really cool stuff there. So I'll do that, though, after the interview. So one quick thing before we get in, I do have another swear word warning. I, I suppose I could bleep these things out. I've never done that, but it's it doesn't happen that often. And honestly, I think in context, it makes sense. So anyway, there's a minor swear word in this in this portion of the podcast. And with that warning label, let's get to part two of our interview with the Tech Learning Collective. For the audience's sake, walk through like at a high level your curriculum and and talk about the different levels that uh, that it addresses. Because I know that um, you've got different levels of courses, and, and and there are definitely courses in there for the people that might be curious about things at a more high level and not the nitty gritty parts. Yeah, so I'm going to try and do this from memory because um, there's a lot of <laughs> workshops. I think we yep. have like 38 separate workshops now that we offer. For what it's worth, we do also we also offer courses and workshops, and these are these are not the same. So we have sort of two tracks where you could be uh, a student with us. Um, the easier one, the the sort of the uh, the the more ad hoc or a la, a la carte one, is just to take workshops. These are public events that you can come to. They are uh, sometimes free, sometimes lo- uh, often low cost, by which I mean like $25 ish at, at a, at a sl- sliding scale price uh, range. And they cover the entire uh, curriculum that the courses do. So the material is the same, but it's presented in two different formats. The courses are intended to be intensives, and they really are intensive. So, like, we hope that you know, the people who come to them are going to commit for the entire period. It's usually a month or two, uh, usually about one class per week. Um, and it's a long class. It's like four to six hours per class. So that's a lot. That's like, that's a real, that's a real commitment. We don't run those super often because we want to have enough people to make it a worthwhile, but mm. B so that you have other peers in your class, right? Like it's a little bit awkward to just be with a, a single other person, you know, who knows a lot more than you. The whole point is to create a mutual self-education environment, um, which is how Tech Learning Collective started actually back in, back in 2015. It was, it was basically just a bunch of us who were trying to figure all this stuff out together. Some of us had more experience than others, but the point was, was to do so as a community. And that's really, really important for the goal, right, which is not just to know this, but then to make use of this in a community setting, to make it meaningful in your life in in the day-to-day. And that's also not, you know, just out of some principle. That's because if it's not useful in your day-to-day, you won't remember it. It's like going to another country, right, and not having spoken the language. If you're there in the country and it's suddenly very important that you know how to say things like, where's the bathroom and how much is this apple, Right. right, cost, you will learn very quickly and very well, and it will stick with you because you'll have those memories. So that's what we're trying to do in in the courses. Now, again, that's a lot of commitment, and we don't expect everyone to be able to do that, nor to be able to um, afford that necessarily. Um, and it's also, of course, a lot more of a strain on our team. So we also offer workshops, which are a la carte. You know, they, they're they're billed as an hour and a half, but they almost always <laughs> run longer. I can um, attest to that. <laughs> 
Yeah, um, because, you know, it's fun for us to do, and a lot of people have good questions. I personally love teaching. I, I was a teacher for, for, for a long time. Um, so, you know, I am, am often doing those out of, out of enjoyment. You know, it's, just, it's, a, it's a good time to, to talk about uh, stuff that I think is super interesting and also to do so with people who want to be there. So, you know, I, I, often, I often run long, especially, um, as, as you can attest to. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, but the idea is that, right, so, like, it's, it's just basically a public event where you come at whatever time the, the class is on, there's a calendar on the Tech Learning Collective website. Um, it's just techlearningcollective.com slash events slash calendar, I think. But there's a link on the, on the homepage. And, and you sign up sort of one at a time. And the workshops cover the entire uh, curriculum. So, so a, a single workshop might not be, you know, it's not going to cover the you know, 16 plus hours in a course, but it's going to be a part of a course. So, for example, the Clearing Away the Clouds workshop is a piece of the Net 101 course that we offer. And so you ask about what the ranges are there, right? So mm-hmm. there's not so much tracks as there are subject matters, which is to say the four courses we offer are system administration, networking, security, and web development. And the way we sort of break this down is we're trying to give you as approachable a, uh, a syllabus as we can so that, you know, people who are used to seeing a school feel like they have a class calendar to look at. But we're also trying intentionally to be slightly different than a quote-unquote you know, regular school, in that what you're going to be learning at these things are often overlapping. So if you come to, for example, CIS, the, the CIS 101 course, this administration course, you're going to get a lot of security and networking content. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a lot of CIS administration stuff if you go to the networking uh, course. Right. You're going to get mostly networking, but you're going to see a lot of the other stuff too. And the reason for that is because of, again, it's all driven through these practical examples. There's no slides. There's no uh, videos that we show, it's all, like, whatever we talk about, we're going to do right. live at the course or at the at the workshop. And it's, you know, over in COVID times, it's all um, <laughs> webinars and video, yeah. video stuff. So it starts really at the beginning. I mean, in the very, very, if, 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 if you wanted to take things linearly through the material, and again, we actually advise against that because, A, there's too much, uh, and B, most people are not interested in the beginning stuff right? Mm. Most people are interested for a given reason. And whatever that reason is, we probably have a workshop related to it. And we want you to start there, even if it's like, you know, advanced hacking or whatever, like Mm. start there, because that's going to get you excited. Mm -hmm. And it's important that you're excited if you want to continue. If you are bored in the first five minutes, right, because you decided to start as a at the beginning, because you know you're you're a completionist in in that in that respect, <laughs> you're probably not going to get very far, mm. and that's going to be a shame because you yeah. could have gone so much farther if you just did the thing that's exciting for you. So we hope that people find their own pathways through uh, the workshops that we offer. But for what it's worth, if you really, really, really did want to start, like I don't know where I want to go, I don't have a pre-existing interest, I'm just kind of curious and want to check it out, then the place to start is the System Administration 101 course. And if you're starting in a workshop, it would be the Taming Damons, the Basics of System Administration workshop. And the reason that's the place to start is because at that workshop, we actually begin the conversation by talking about what a computer does. Not from a, a, a bits and bytes uh, angle, like a lot of the electrical engineering classes, 
but about what a computer actually, what the purpose of it is. Mm. Like, why do we have them? What are they supposed to do for us, right? Why, why are we using them today? Why has, why has so much of the world gone in this direction? And there's an answer to that. There's a very clear reason for it. Not, it, it, it and, you know, many, you know there, there are many answers, I should say, not one answer. Like, it's certainly true, like from a capitalistic perspective, right, that it increases efficiency and makes profits easier to, to, um, to accrue and all that stuff. That's all true. But there's also a lot of other reasons. And in that class specifically, we focus on a lot of those other reasons. Like, for example, the fact that it is basically just an electronic writing device. And we mean that literally. When mm-hmm. you are opening up Notepad or a text edit, right, you're writing on screen and you're seeing, you know, text appear. And so in that sense, it's a writing instrument. But it's also a writing instrument in that when you press a certain key, you know, Q, A, whatever, on your keyboard, then what you're doing is you're actually with electricity, right, inserting a charge, an electrical charge, at a specific physical transistor somewhere deep inside your machine. And in that sense, you're literally writing, not with ink, in this case with electricity, on a medium, which is usually these days flash memory, although it wasn't always, right? Mm -hmm. It used to be spinning disk, it used Mm -hmm. to be tape, et cetera, et cetera. But at some point you're writing, you're changing the physical world in some respect to make a mark, to make your mark. That is what it's for. That's what the computer is for. So if you treat a computer like a writing instrument, literally like an electronic typewriter, which is where they came from, again, notice the historical Mm -hmm. um, tie-in there, then you can understand why you should care about continuing to learn how to use them well. (laughs) And then if you understand enough about what it's able to do for you, you begin to see, or maybe I should say like the fog of war kind of clears a little bit, right? And you begin to understand all the other powers that writing gives you. And Mm. I I mean that again, quite literally. The ability to write down, to write your thoughts down, is arguably the most magical ability that humans have. It's arguably the thing that that humans can do that makes it possible for us to do everything else, to share knowledge across generation, across yeah, individuals, right. right, to create language. That's what a computer is for. That's what a computer lets you supercharge in a, in a very literal way. And so at that point, right, that's, that's the start of, why, why, of, of, of what we talk about. And the way that we talk about the powers of this, right, comes down to extremely concrete and extremely basic principles, like literally space and time. How much can you write? How fast? How much space do you need to write it in, right? These are the questions that system administrators at their core are always dealing with. Mm. How much RAM do I have? Do I have enough disk space, right? Do I have enough compute power to, to handle this workload, right? And so when you start at that point and you don't skip that point and go straight to like, let's make a web service with Rails or whatever, <laughs> right? Now you're able to really set the groundwork or really set the, uh, set the stage for all the other things that you could do a com- with a computer that don't necessarily fit into what you are told a computer should be, right? Most people experience the computer, especially today, either as a social media manipulation tool or as a work appliance, right? I mean, look at the folders and the icons of, of paper and stuff, right? There's, yeah, no, right? there's no paper on your computer, right? These are not folders. There's, there's, there's no desktop on a machine, and yet we call them desktops. And there's a reason for that. There's a history for that, right? So understanding that is both important and good, but also only through understanding that that's where we came from, can we make a conscious choice about what other metaphor, other than desks and paper and files and manila folders and stuff that relate to office jobs that often feel like relatively coercive employment scenarios for a lot of our <laughs> students, 
right? What else can the computer be and do? And that's what's so beautiful about starting from such basic foundations, because you really get to create your own world. Um, and, you know, in your own world, you can be quite powerful. And then translating that power into something that you want to see in the real world is the practice of politics. So that's the connection. So that's where we start. And then, of course, we end up doing all as you saw, it, for example, hope where we, you know, at, at the end of the day, um, if you have a deep understanding of what that is at that level, then talking about how to hack websites turns from some magical, you know, superpower ability into just like, oh, yeah, write this other line here and you're done. Right. right? Like it becomes much less magical, much less um, myst uh, uh, mystifying and yet somehow simultaneously ever more empowering. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I really like the analogy you made. In fact, I was going to bring it up myself that because I had the exact same thought and, and that it's, again, one of the qualitative differences between your approach to then, you know, maybe other you know, certainly regular college courses and things is it's, you need to know this stuff for a purpose. Like this is not gonna be your career. You're not gonna be doing this for someone else for making a paycheck. You, you, you could, a, you could, <laughs> and a lot of people do, including myself, yeah. but in uh, you, you're much more focused on, this is something you need. These are skills or understanding you need for something very practical for something you need for yourself. And it's like, it's a difference between taking, you know, a crash course in conversational Spanish because you're traveling there, you're going to spend, you know, you're going to do a summer abroad or whatever versus taking Spanish as a language more from, you know, grammar and history. And, you know, while that has its place, it's not what, it's not what you need. That's, it doesn't fit your, uh, your particular use case. The other thing, and I must say from reading your, you know, from look at the website, I, I get this vibe and correct me if I'm wrong, but it also feels to me like taking a personal self-defense course as opposed to just learning karate. I mean, you know, you could do yeah. that for years and <laughs> you get your, and you want to get like your belts that. and whatever. And that's, you, you know, that's fine. But if, if you are in a bad neighborhood, if you are feeling particularly, if you, if you're being stalked, if you're, if you're, you know, in a, in a marginalized group and you feel the need for physical protection, you, you need to know how to protect yourself in any way, you know, without getting into the history of the martial art or, you know, or I, right. I don't need a belt, <laughs> you know, I don't need a, you know, I don't need a color, you know, if I'm in a situation, I need to, to, uh, to protect myself. So I, I definitely get that vibe. And if, if I'm not too far off, I'm curious to know, do you, you must have stories uh, to tell, <laughs> obviously without naming names, but you, you, there must've been situations where you've actually made significant, you know, true real life security impacts on people's lives. Yeah, I, I don't want to talk too much about the details of that, um, but but you're right. Um, the, the, the analogy to a self-defense class is actually really apt um, because like, you know, look, if you have to fight dirty to survive, we want you to fight dirty to survive, right? Like mm -hmm. the, co the mm -hmm. goal is not to follow the rules. The right. goal is to get shit done and be okay. And if you you know, need the kinds of things that, uh, need, need to know the kinds of things that we're, we're teaching for reasons of security, you know, you, you probably have some, some shit going down. Sorry if I, I don't know if I can say that, but like, <laughs> uh, this podcast, but you know, there's stuff that, that you need to, um, you know, you need to be mindful of that behooves you to be careful about. Right. Mm -hmm. So this also speaks to the history of, of the group. I mean, again, it started as a political project. Um, the, the core of us who started this, back in 2015 and 2016, as I was saying, this grew out of a number of far-left activists who were involved um, in Occupy Wall Street and in some, you know, in, in, in political projects that were, that, that were of the time, I should mm -hmm. say. Um, and so, you know, you can imagine that that means that, you know, 
we have some personal experience with the need for this kind of uh, self-defense online. It's become much more commonplace that someone might need such defense than it was in, for example, you know, the early 2000s or the, the 2010s when, yeah. when some of us be, began being political actors in, in our lives and in our communities, right? So, so that's part of it, is that there's a recognition there that this is, this, what, what matters here is not that you know facts or can pass tests or can get licenses or can prove right. to an employer you know, on a resume that, that, that you know your shit, right? right? What matters is that you're okay. And at the end of the day, that you, you have what you need to get done whatever it is you need to get done and, yeah. and to do so safely. So that, that is absolutely uh, the focus. I also like the analogy to a self-defense class because unlike a lot of, uh, well, I mean, I don't want to get too, well, well <laughs> I, I, what, what I'm debating saying is like, like there is a, you know, there, there's a phrase in the InfoSec sort of hacker world, right? You've probably heard of it. It's called ethical hacking. Mm-hmm. Without getting too ranty about the politics of that, right? It's it's one it's a good example of something that has a name, that when you are in a situation that is truly impacting your life in the way that we've just described, like potentially your literal livelihood, mm-hmm. the notion of you know ethical hacking, the way it's defined in in the hacker community, becomes a little uh, how shall I say uh, super uh, um, um, superficial, right? Mm. What people mean when they say ethical hacking as an industry term is legal hacking is hacking legally, right? Is 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 breaking bound security boundaries, intentionally breaking security boundaries, usually of other people's or other companies' devices, in such a way where the breaking of that boundary is within the scope of a contract that they've already pre-agreed to. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, I mean it's a, it's a business, it's a it's a thing that happens in the world like, you know, I don't I don't have any uh, problems with that per se. But ethical hacking Within the under that terminology, right, also includes a ton of really unethical stuff, like some really shady, not great stuff that happens totally legally. But I would very much challenge anyone to think that it's ethical. Mm. Um, Celebrate being a great example just recently, mm, right, of mm-hmm. a, a company that's that's sweeping up, uh, that's selling um, uh, the ability to to vacuum up users' phone data during you know, relatively specious border checks. Mm-hmm. Is that ethical? Very hard to make that case, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? So, and yet, right, that is that is absolutely something, like Celebrate employees are ethical hackers in a number of different, you know, ways. Uh, they're doing pen tests on, on Apple devices. They're, you know, they're, they're, they, they have, you know, pen test divisions, this kind of stuff, pen penetration test um, uh, divisions and so on. So the point that I'm trying to get to you is it's, one thing to use a term like that, right? But it's another thing to do the thing that the words mean. Mm. And for us, what's important is that when you're able to do something on a computer, like, for example, going to a class of Introduction to Exploiting Web Applications, right? The reason that we had that class was not to help you do unethical things under the protection of a legal contract, i.e. ethical hacking, mm-hmm. right? The reason that we teach that class and the, 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 the focus of that class is here is how your website could be attacked and right. here's what you need to know to protect it because if you can't see a punch coming, there's no way you're going to know, having taken a self-defense class or not, what to do to defend against it. You can't block a punch mm-hmm. you don't if you don't know what a punch is. Mm-hmm. So the other sort of political angle of this uh, of, the, of this approach to, to teaching is when we talk about security stuff we 
don't just do so from the reactive standpoint, right? We don't just do so to say, well, here's how you raise a shield. We say, right, here's what an attack looks like and here's how to do it. Because if you can do it, then you have a much better understanding of what to do to defend against it. Mm -hmm. And this is actually more important in the digital realm than it is in the physical realm. I know your prior guests, um, I, uh, I talked about this a lot. I know Bruce Schneier talks about this a lot, right, where he mentions how much more um, advantaged an, an attacker, an, a, an offensive right. security uh, posture is in the digital world, right? And right. that's because, uh, for you know, all the reasons that, that you know, he, he described, I don't necessarily want to get into that as well, uh, all that, but, but the idea is that it is very, 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 very difficult to create a defensive security posture without having constant awareness of what attacks you are vulnerable to and the only way to have that awareness is to actually know how to do those attacks. Right. So, and it turns out, again, as we said earlier, right, those are not as hard as you think they are, which <sighs> is what freaks the hell out of government agencies, right? The right. fact that an individual can do that is scary and should be scary if you already have a lot of power, right, that you want to maintain. Right. So it makes total sense. That they're that that you know companies and 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 uh, and governments are, are worried about it. It also makes total sense why the function of a security industry is to retain that knowledge within uh, the minds of a set number of people whom they have pre-vetted, right? Now, I don't have a problem with trying to do what you can to prevent dangerous people from doing dangerous things, but my point is that. In the doing of that, a lot of people who could benefit from that knowledge, like who could have uh, used a SAN security course, who could have used right, like an OCSP certification, not to get a job, but to be okay in their daily livelihoods right. because they are actually under attacks, don't end up able to get that knowledge because of barriers in jargon, barriers in culture, barriers in amount of money it takes to learn these things, right? Yeah. I mean, like those courses are thousands and thousands yeah, of oh, dollars. Yeah. And it's, it's just incredibly difficult to sort of break into that. And they already assume a ton of knowledge. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to move that sort of security training, right, from the last thing that you do to the first thing that you do yeah. without necessarily dumbing it down, without, without uh, making it seem like we're making the entire concept or the entire um, subject matter uh, childlike, right? We're not gonna. We're, we're gonna do the same things that those SANS courses and those, you know, um, offensive security professionals do, but we're just gonna do it whilst explaining every step of the way. And admittedly, that's a lot of stuff to explain. But for those of you, you know, who listeners who who for whom that is the kind of uh, approach that seems exciting or interesting, right? That means that you get access to to a piece of knowledge that is otherwise incredibly guarded, both legally and socially and culturally and financially, in all these other avenues. And that that's, I think, part of what makes it so unique and so important to do specifically in the context of having a political student. Well, I'm glad we got to that point because I, I I really wanted to drive drive home how important the work is that you guys are doing. And and so obviously, you know, we kind of started off talking about you know just interested in knowledge and, and, and learning how computers work. And while that's all interesting and, and obviously anybody in the audience who has that, you know, that level of interest should definitely check out your courses. I also wanted to establish how important the work is that you guys are doing. And so obviously taking courses costs money, uh, not a lot, but some, and that, that is one way to support you. I know you take direct cash donations as well. Uh, but before we wrap up here, I'm just curious, 
are there other ways if, if we've gotten it across to the audience that what you're doing is important work, uh, whether or not they are interested in your course or not, how else might they uh, help you out or contribute to your cause? Well, I mean, I think the, the, you know, the most direct thing is even if you're not, um, you know, even if you don't fancy yourself, someone who is, you know, somehow capable uh, enough with computers, I think you should give a workshop or two a try, right? Workshops, as I said, they're like, um, you know, um, sometimes we offer um, free just sort of weekend events. Um, more often than not, it's it's usually about $25 to pay for an instructor's time to come to a workshop. The calendar is posted on the website. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're about, you know, two hours or so on, on um, you know, usually in, in, in the week, on a weekend or later in the afternoon um, U.S. time. So that's like a very direct way to do it. But also, you know, the other thing to do is, is to just tell your friends, like, you know, yeah. give, give it a shot. We also have a blog that you can follow there. You know, we talk a lot more about the the politics and the approach and the, you know, the things that are happening in the world. I think we just posted um, um, about the uh, the whole uh, deplatforming conversation and, and mm-hmm. you know, how, how that affects and, and how that should be, uh, how, how we think people should be thinking about it in terms of, you know, a, a movement strategy. And so you could also just, you know, follow that and sort of, you know, we don't have any social media ourselves, but if you post links on social media about us, that's also helpful. Basically, just letting people know that there is an alternative, right, to how to learn about this stuff that isn't just, you know, oh, my God, I have to now search through the black hole of YouTube on my own. Right. But also isn't I have to deal with, like, recruiters or, you know, code boot camps or, um, you know, sort of like a, a job-centric approach. Again, not that there's necessarily a problem with that. If you wanted to go the job route, you could also come to workshops. Um, like, you know, we don't don't discriminate in in that in that sense. Mm-hmm, right. Um, yeah. But but the goal really is right to, to make it possible for people who who already you know have a thing they want to do in their life and who just want to know what to do with the computers in their life to help them do that thing. Right. And so, from that perspective, it's everyone else, not the people who are looking to get technology jobs that we're hoping to attract and and you know and the biggest challenge for, for us in, in that capacity is just letting them know that there is an option that we are an option for that that we think we're a good one that we hope they'll give us a shot and um oh and i should also mention right like there's a to- there's a free sort of do-it-yourself 24 7 365 uh available command line basics workshop that mm. is always on the website if you go to a website and you click on uh, foundations i think on the left hand side our so-called foundation courses are a, you know, they're not really as good as a a, a, a live instruction scenario because you can't ask questions and mm-hmm. you know there's not a human on either side of it. But it is a way to, you know, see what we're about. Try the very first uh, the very first module of that of that of that self-paced uh, foundations course. It's called I think Enchantment in the Command Line, and mm-hmm. it talks literally about a, a magic ritual that you can that you can try. Yes, I looked uh, at that to yeah. center yourself. Yeah, with your computer. very interesting. Yeah. So that gives you the flavor, right? That gets it gets you the sense of like, what is the difference here? Like, you know, I'm, I, I don't, I want people to understand that there's like two primary sort of exist currently existing branches of the how do I learn about technology tree, right? There's the like the job stuff and the code boot camps and the recruiters and and the and the college courses and so on, and there's also like this this sort of uh, branch of community education that's happening amongst primarily policy and political discussions, right? Where um, where you're going to like a library, you're 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 you know you're, you're having a discussion with people. We're trying to be a third option, which is that far more kinetic, far more experience based, you know, live at the keyboard, right, mm-hmm. uh, workshop, but that isn't then simultaneously encouraging you to make a LinkedIn resume. <laughs> right. 
So what about things like, what about donating time or what about donating books or old computers or things like that? Um, and I know you're located in New York City. Do you have branches in other cities? And I know we're talking about the aftertimes whenever, whenever, you know, whatever this, you know, pandemic is, yeah. you know, goes down. But I mean, when it comes to things like that, could, are there other ways that we could, we could help out? You know, we, we talked about that a lot internally. Um, and so, and it's, and it's a, you know, we don't, we don't want to say no, because anyone who wants to help is appreciated, right? Like that's, it, mm-hmm. it's a, it's, it's nice. It's, it's, it's nice to get that kind of support. However, being computer people, there isn't a lot of stuff to do, mm. <laughs> right? Like we've already automated the entire process. So when you sign up for a workshop, it's not like a human is answering your email and sending you a ticket. Like that's all mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When we schedule a new course, it's not like we have a lot of administrative work to then, you know, do data entry. Like, a teacher simply says, I'm available at this time. And from their calendar, there is an event created on one of several platforms that we use to host webinars. And that's just a press of a button. And, you know, I don't say that to discourage people from offering help. I mean, you can certainly, uh, you know, email us uh, at techlearningcollective at riseup.net and and ask and, and see, you know, if there's anything that we need. Um, we're, for what it's worth, we're, we're currently um, uh, sort of trying to to make more regular a sort of writing crew within the the, the core mm, group so mm-hmm. we have more outreach um so like you know send us tips you know that kind of stuff like that's 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 certainly welcome but the reason i do bring it up is because it's an example of what can be possible right like we're not a lot of people but we you know and we don't have a ton of you know everyone has you know well, most people, I should say, not everyone, but everyone who who's involved, like you know, has something else going on. If it's not a day job, it's another, you know, it's another project or a political goal or something. And yet, the school is mostly relatively easy to operate because the processes are already sort of worked out and they're written out in code. So, the that I hope serves as an example, right, of what could be the case for other people as well, and what we're trying to help people do, because. That's the point of having the computers, right? I don't want to sit here making calendar events all, you know, for for an hour. So mm-hmm. I don't need to because I just have my program do it for me. Yeah. And and that that could be possible with many, many, many other small organizations or community projects, right? If only people had more dexterity, like I talked about earlier, with manipulating digital things. Yeah. And so that's the goal, get them to do that. And so in that sense, we don't really have need for volunteers or, um, you know, there, there is no physical infrastructure that we are uh, lacking. Um, a lot of our internal infrastructure runs on Raspberry Pis, which are super mm-hmm. cheap, $35 computers. Yeah, I love um, those things. Yeah, primarily they are behind Onion services, so that's just for the internal <laughs> crew. The public stuff is all on, um, you know, cloud-hosted services that are low-cost or free. And so, you know, I guess the most direct thing on that front is like, if you see a typo, fix it on GitHub, if you can, or send us an email, let us, let us know that there's something like a broken link or something. But we don't really have a lot of need for, um, for volunteers in that logistical capacity, because again, so much is digitized. Oh, and we have a newsletter uh, that you can join. It's um, just an email newsletter that sometimes gives you um, occasional discounts, mostly uh, highlights from our blog and... Uh, an event list for what's happening in the upcoming week. And you can subscribe by clicking the um, click here to subscribe button on our homepage. Well, thank you so much for doing what you're doing. Thanks for coming on the show and talk to us all about this. It's really very interesting stuff. And uh, uh, I'm glad you guys are out there doing it because I've run into all the other educational things that you mentioned and this and yours was unique. 
Well, thank you so much for having us. And I really, really appreciate getting the chance to be featured um, on your podcast. Thanks again to these guys for coming on. I really enjoyed the class I took with them, and I'm sure you would too. They do a, such a good job. And again, they they are. It's not for technical people. It's for it's for regular everyday people. If you've got some sort of a community project that you're involved in, it doesn't have to be political, uh, but it can be. And if if there's something that you're doing as a group, and you kind of need to be the IT person for the group, or somebody does, <laughs> it can be you. And these. Classes are actually quite interesting, even just beyond the technical level, just getting some of the history behind how things work and why things do what they do today really gives you a different perspective on these things. So great classes. I highly recommend you check them out if you want to support these guys because they are doing some important work. Take some classes that puts money directly in their pockets and it and it helps them, you know, keep going. Tell other people about it as well. Maybe you share this on social media. Sign up for their newsletter. I signed up. It doesn't come out that often, so it's not going to really fill up your, your mailbox. And of course, they do take money. So if you want to throw them some money, I'm sure they would much appreciate that. All right. I've been talking about this for a long time, and I'm finally, finally ready to actually launch some of these things that I've been talking about on Patreon. So if you don't know, Patreon is a way to become a patron, to actually subscribe and provide direct financial support to people like me who are doing things that do cost time and money as a way to say, you know, thank you or to help them keep doing what they're doing. If you go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search on Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons or just look in the show notes, uh, you'll get to my page and you'll see what specifically I'm offering. But I'm going to tell you. So uh, this is this is all new. This is somewhat subject to change, uh, but I'm pretty sure now that after doing much, much research and much, much thought uh, that this is going to be how we're going to start things off. And there's, you know, you can start for as little as two bucks. And uh, at that level, everyone... Everyone who's a patron at, at, at any level is going to get the following the following things. First of all, I've I've finally started up a Discord server. Uh, now, if you don't know what Discord is, it's kind of like I don't know if you've ever used Slack or Microsoft Teams or most of them are actually geared toward work, uh, which Discord is not. But it's a it's sort of like an online group chat thing, but it's got way more features. Like within a given group, you've got several different rooms, or Discord calls them channels. Uh, where you can kind of compartmentalize the things you're talking about. And it's got, Discord's got unbelievable amounts of flexibility. It's, and it's almost mind numbing. Uh, but it will let me basically uh, allow certain people, certain groups, certain tiers uh, from Patreon to have access to different levels within Discord. But everybody's going to have access to some basic chat stuff. So you can interact directly with me uh, and with each other, if you wish, of course. It's just a chat room. It's free. It's simple. It's uh, it's easy to become a member. Uh, so if you if you sign up, it'll tell you right there how to sign up for Discord. It's it's very straightforward. You could just use it in a web page. You don't have to even install software. Uh, I usually don't. I usually just run it in a web tab. You can set all sorts of things. Like you can you can be notified every single time somebody posts a message in there, uh, or you can only be notified when someone mentions your name, or you know, lots of that stuff. So. Don't worry too much about being flooded with notifications. You could completely tune, you know, how much of that you want to get. But, you know, here's what you're going to get. So I'll be on Discord and, and we'll be in some chat rooms. And as you guys post questions, if you post comments and feedback, uh, you can request, you know, guests that you want me to interview. You can request topics you want me to cover. All of that stuff. I will be watching. Um, now, depending on how many people we get in there, I can't say I'm going to respond to every single comment all the time. But I will do my best. And I assure you, I will read it. 
Now, I say name, you don't actually have to use your name. So when you sign up for Discord, you can give, you know, whatever pseudonym you want to use, and that's all anybody will see. So don't worry about that. Now, I've also in the process right now of making a behind the scenes video. And it's really been kind of fun to kind of, you know, go through and, and explain all the different things that go into making this podcast and some of the other things I do as well. There's a lot to it. And I think you'll find it interesting. So everybody who signs up was going to get access to that. And I'm hoping to publish that this week. If not, it may even be out by the time you hear this. Also, if you sign up, I send out a, a monthly special newsletter to all my patrons that tells them, you know, it's more behind the scenes stuff of what's been going on. Uh, there's a lot to what I do uh, that you probably don't see. And so um, I keep you up on that. I'm also going to be uh, sending out show notes to everybody who signs up uh, and you will get those show notes probably on the same day that the podcast airs, which will be every Monday. And it will include all the links to every article that I mentioned. I haven't been doing that in the past. I'm going to be doing that now. So you can get that right now if you're on your podcast app. If you can find where the show notes are in your podcast app, you'll see all these links. Uh, you know, normally I would kind of put, you know, the, the most interesting links or, you know, in this case, I'll certainly have a link to the Tech Learning Collective and I'll have a link to Patreon. But for every news article that I mentioned and from here on out, I'm going to make sure I put the links to every one of those articles. So if you want to see the full article or if you want to see the pictures that go with that that I've tried to describe, uh, but you want to actually see them with your own eyes, or many of these articles also contain several links to other things. Uh, so sometimes if you want more info, you're going to want to link to the, directly to the article that I read. So I'm going to make sure that from here on out, I, I post a link to every article that I, uh, that I talk about because mine is usually the expurgated version or edited in some way. Uh, so you'll be direct access to that. Everyone who signs up for Patreon is going to get that on a weekly basis. Now you may be saying, Carrie, I get way too much, <laughs> way too much email already. Uh, rest assured that both Discord and Patreon allow you to decide how often and what you get notified about. And you, if you want, you can get absolutely nothing and then just go there whenever you want to and just look and see what's there and read it on your own time. Uh, or you could have it automatically notify you. You have lots of different switches and knobs there to determine, you know, how much of that you want to be automatically sent to you and which uh, you would want to go and do when you want to do it. Now, if you step up to the next level, currently, currently there's only two. I'm working on creating some higher levels with some really, really cool, very personalized content and high value content. But it, and I need your help to figure out what I want to do there. So uh, that's something else we could talk about in the Discord rooms. But if you uh, step up to the, to the next level, the, the Castle Guard level, you will get early access. You will get the show notes before the show airs. So you'll know what's going to be on the podcast before everybody else does. You will also be getting sneak peeks uh, into who I'm going to be interviewing, uh, like behind the scenes. I often don't tell you here in the podcast exactly who I'm interviewing unless I know for sure it's like a done deal. Like I've actually actually recorded the, the interview already and I have it in my possession uh, because, I, you know, I don't want to disappoint you. But, you know, for those who want to know and uh, if you want to step up to the next level, I will give you behind the scenes look at, you know, who I've just talked to, who I just interviewed and will be coming out soon. And in fact, I'm even because you're going to get a preview of who I'm going to be interviewing. Uh, people at this level will actually have an opportunity to suggest questions for me to ask them. And uh, I am going to be doing bonus interview content as well for many of my guests that will only be available for those at the high level. In fact, what I'll probably do to kind of close that circle is, you know, if there are particular questions that you know people, uh, my patrons want me to ask, then those will be the questions that will get answered more than likely in the bonus content. Uh, it also doesn't happen often, but sometimes I will cut out news stories because the podcast is just getting too long. And if I've got bonus content like that as well, I will also share that for my patrons. So that is what is there today. If you go and check it out right now, all that stuff is available. 
but there's a lot more coming. Uh, I've got so many other ideas. I'm just trying to figure out, as you know, I had a, um, I had a survey to try to narrow down, you know, what I'm going to prioritize. So I'm going to, you know, some people have been asking for merch, uh, you know, <laughs> swag, you know, stickers, coffee mugs, t-shirts, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working on stuff like that. Part of what I got to do is come up honestly with a logo. Uh, I haven't really done that yet. So I'm working on some of that. And eventually I hope to offer some of those things. I am somehow, some way, at some level on Patreon, I'm going to be offering a monthly Q&A session. And it will, I'm not sure if it's going to be audio or video or just chat, but there will be AMA sessions, Ask Me Anything sessions. And that will give you a chance to directly interact uh, in real time with me. Now, I'm also looking to, uh, in my quest to educate as many people as possible in security and privacy, I've got the book, which is big, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of stuff in there, but it's static and, and, you know, things change and, you know, sometimes you just want things in bite-sized chunks. And sometimes you want someone to just focus on one thing and explain how to do one thing. And video is the best way to go. So I am looking to start creating custom, short focused video tutorials on how to do a lot of the things that I recommend in the book. And, you know, because in the, in the podcast, we focus a lot on news and current events, you know, I don't often circle back to the basics. So I'm going to be making those available, at least at some level, uh, to my patrons when I start cranking those out. And at certain levels, you will be able to directly influence which of those things that, I, you know, which topics I make little videos of. So if you need help setting up LastPass, or if you need help setting up two-factor authentication, or you want to learn about how to use a VPN, or... Uh, how to change the admin password on your router. There's so many different things like that, um, many of which are covered in the book. But if you just want a quick focused tutorial on something, I'm thinking about creating a library of these things. Now, I will probably eventually post these uh, publicly on YouTube as well, but certainly all the early access will go to the patrons. And again, I, I think it, I'm, what I'm going to do is at a certain level, you will actually be able to directly request what you want me to do a tutorial on, and I will just start knocking them out. All right, one more thing, and I haven't figured out yet how I'm going to do this, uh, how I'm going to make these available, but I am in the process of manufacturing, like literally paying to make a physical thing that is really going to be cool. At least I think it's going to be cool. I really hope you do too. And I'll be announcing it probably in a month or so uh, when I actually get these things in my hot little hands, uh, but it's going to be made available to my patrons and it's going to be something you will not be able to get anywhere else because I am actually having them made custom made for me and my patrons and you can't buy them anywhere if you wanted to. So stay tuned for the reveal on that. So let me, let me just sum it up this way. Honestly, I find it kind of weird, you know, asking for patrons. It, it's something I'm not used to doing, even though I've done it for a little while now. Um, I haven't been terribly successful at it, <laughs> but, but I'm hoping to change that because I want to start offering a lot more value. So I've been doing this podcast for what, four years now. I think I'm actually coming up on the four year anniversary uh, and I have no plans to stop doing it. I enjoy doing it. I really like being able to get this message out uh, and I really love interviewing people. So I, I'm not planning to stop doing that. What I really want to do is now that I'm retired, I want to do more. I want to do even more cool stuff. And to do those extra things, I think the way I'm going to plan to do that, at least initially to kind of kickstart and fund those things is through Patreon. And then eventually a lot of that stuff will filter out to my, you know, for YouTube channel and, and things like that. But, uh, I want to give those of you out there that want to really support directly what I'm doing and actually have an influence on what these things are. And certainly maybe how I prioritize and bring these things out that 
is the value proposition that I want to offer. So this is just the beginning. Check it out. See what you think. And uh, if you want to get involved, get in there, sign up for even the lowest level, and we'll start talking about this stuff on Patreon. And uh, I'd love to get your feedback and work with me to figure out how best I can serve you guys. All right. So real quick, let's talk about uh, what's coming up. We got a big news show coming for you next week. Uh, lots of different updates, you know, with Google and Facebook and Apple and Firefox and lots of big names in the news. And I'll probably talk about what's going on in Australia with Facebook and Google and the law they just passed there. There's a lot. Apple's got more privacy stuff coming and Facebook is pushing back hard again. Google's talking about getting rid of third-party cookies. Firefox is already doing it. And what that means, there's there's a lot of stuff to talk about. And so we'll, uh, we'll get into that next week. Also, LastPass, which is the password manager I have been promoting since day one. Back in the day, I did you know all my research to, for myself to figure out which one of these I want to use and then recommend to others. And I've been using it ever since and still happily using it. But they've made a couple really big PR blunders uh, in this last few weeks. And uh, it's getting harder and harder to recommend them to people who just need something simple and free. So uh, I will be talking about what they're doing and uh, I will give you my recommendation for, unfortunately, probably a better free password manager than LastPass. If you're already a paying member, you might want to stay that. But honestly, I'm considering changing myself. So this is big stuff for me. I've been happily recommending LastPass for a very long time. And what they're doing now is really kind of upsetting me. So we'll talk all about that next week as well. I still have two interviews already in the can. Uh, one with Phil Zimmerman, the creator of PGP. Uh, and one with John Davison from Epic, the uh, Electronic Privacy Information Center. That will actually be next. And then that'll be followed by the interview with Phil Zimmerman. Always an interesting guy to talk to. And I've got several more interviews already in the works. One I'll be doing this week. And if, you, if you're a patron, you will know who that is. And if you get on Discord, you will have an opportunity to suggest questions for me to ask them. All right, there you go. There you have it. The vaccines keep coming, folks. Get out there. Make sure you get in line. Get your vaccine. We will get through this. We're almost there. Just a few more months. Don't give up. Don't trip at the one-yard line. We've got to get this ball over the goal. Uh, sorry to use sports analogies. <laughs> but really, we've. this is not the time to let down your guard. Just keep it up a little while longer. Wear those masks. Do the social distancing. Get your shot as soon as it's available to you. Help other people to get their shots. This stuff is really very effective. And if we're going to get back to any sense of normalcy, we've got to get almost everybody vaccinated. So there you have it. Stay safe, everybody, and until next week, as always, don't get caught with your drawbridge down.